Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. I absolutely love Babbel because their courses help me learn real-life conversational skills. It's so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, speak to the locals without having to consult language apps. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time offer for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners, at babbel.com SPP. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Today's episode of Smart People Podcast may be considered to be too explicit for young children. Be a good parent. Turn it off. Come on. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. Let's talk about sex. Yes, let's talk about sex. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Chris Stemp. And I'm John Rojas. And welcome to another educational yet equally embarrassing episode of Smart People Podcast. Before we get into all that, I'd like to apologize for the hiatus John and I took. It's been a pretty busy month. I have officially moved back to the East Coast, and we just got back from a long, difficult, um, tough bachelor party that I think we are recently recovering from. And we are now going to get back into the swing of things. So we're back. We'll be back for a long while. Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes to make sure you catch all future episodes. Yeah, and remember to follow us on Twitter at Smart People Pod. Um, you'd probably notice that I've been tweeting lately, you know, apologizing for not, us not putting out episodes and for being on a little bit of a hiatus, as, as Chris mentioned. But we are fully back into the swing of things. Got a few episodes under our belt, so we'll be releasing things on a regular basis. Um, and I also want to remind you to continue to support and help us on Amazon. I know we haven't been here, you know, peddling our wares and trying to get you all on there and, and buying your items through our link, but it really does help us out, helps pay for the show, and we'd really, really appreciate it. So if you head over to smartpeoplepodcast.com, look at the Amazon widget on the lower left corner of the page, and just make all your Amazon purchases through there. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah, just, just click on the link. It'll bring you to Amazon. You don't pay a thing. Helps us out. We get a little cut, so we, we take money out of Amazon's pocket, which is nice for everybody. And this week, uh, or this month, we're at an all-time low for Amazon purchases, so let's try and pick that up. I need to 
be able to afford my dog food. So anyways, this week on the podcast, we speak with Nicole Dayton, and I'm going to get into more about her background and why we had her on. But first, I'm just going to tell you about the new book she has coming out May 25th. It is titled Slow Sex, The Art and Craft of the Female Orgasm. Now, just soak that in for a minute. Right away, most of you, along with John and I, probably a little intrigued at the same time, a little embarrassed. A little bashful, if you will. A little bashful. There's blushing going on. We were a little skeptical of doing this. We wanted to get somebody to talk about sex on the podcast, but then we realized pretty much everyone we know listens to this podcast. Parents, uh, aunts, uncles, friends, and the subject, well, let me just say, there is a part where she talks about a nice little bottle of lube. Um, there, there's some other interesting things that get a little R-rated. Yeah. I, I didn't know it was going down that way. Did you, John? I, I had no idea, but this is a good place for me to interject and say, hey, mom, dad, um, I know you usually listen to the podcast. Right now is a good time to uh, to just shut it off and maybe listen to some uh, some old Beatles or Rolling Stones records. I like that. I like that. Forewarning, if you're over the age of 40, please do not listen. No, I, I don't know. So anyways, I want to interview her because it might be a taboo subject, but it's one that every creature pretty much on the planet wants to know about, or especially when it comes to the female orgasm, it's like a mythical creature. The so unicorn? Gonna, yeah, it's the unicorn. So gotcha. she's going to shed some light on it. Nicole is not only an author, but she's a sought-after speaker and teacher She's the founder of One Taste, which is a company that offers training in orgasm, communication, and man-woman relationships through online media and in-person coaching and courses. She has appeared in New York Times, New York Post, San Francisco Chronicle, 7x7 Magazine, a bunch of other places. She was in the 2011 TED Conference, which is incredible. She's mentioned in one of our favorite books, The 4-Hour Body by Timothy Ferris. Roach, I don't know if you realize that, but... I did not notice that. I haven't gotten to the uh, the sex part. I'm assuming that's where where she comes in. I mean, come on. You didn't skip straight to that page. Let's be honest. I, ha- I haven't read them yet. You were more interested in the slow-carb diet than that's, how to, that's how to treat right. your woman. No wonder <laughs> why you're single. Gosh. <laughs> so anyways, uh, I got nothing else. Roach, what do you think? I guess I just want to say, you know, throw those inhibitions aside, you know, sit back and, and take this one in and be, you know, open-minded, think about it and just listen to what she has to say. Here's Nicole. All right, Nicole. Well, normally in an interview, I kind of start off slow asking some very vague questions, but um, I'm going to be honest with with a topic such as sex. I think it's going to be the the best attack is just going to be straight for it. So I'm just going to dive in. Uh-huh. Okay, let's go. <laughs> you have a book, Slow Sex: The Art and Craft of the Female Orgasm, and it caught you know as a young male, it caught my eye because every guy out there wants to have this power, right? The ability right. to give the female an orgasm. So. First thing I wanted to ask you is, can you explain the idea of slow sex? I know that's a, a whole, the, the whole basis of what you do is kind of the slow sex method. Right. Well, I would say slow sex is actually the, the type of sex that works best with a woman's body. So, uh, and the best way I know to describe it is, you know, there's fitness and there's yoga. 
And so sex as we know it, for the most part, is harder and faster and pumping. That's a lot more like fitness. And slow sex is a lot more like yoga, where there's, there's this additional dimension that you tap into that's, that's more intuitive, that's slower, that develops consciousness, like that. Okay. It's, it's funny because, you know, even I'm not a bashful person, but talking about sex, I think brings everyone into this zone of kind of being ashamed and things like that. Are you, are you used to that in your profession and and doing all of this? Yeah, it's funny. And I, but it's interesting too, because I used to say, people would ask me what I did and, you know, I would tell them in some form or another and, and it would be like at a dinner party or something. And then no one would acknowledge me, but privately, you know, I'd be standing in line for the restroom and everyone would say, can I talk to you about this? Everyone has some private thing that they want to talk about. And lately I'll say it at a dinner party and and people just break out the conversation. So something is definitely opening in this arena. I was curious to what got you into this arena. What was, you know, that first thing that led you into, Hey, I'm going to write a book about sex. That's a great question. Um, so, I was um, maybe, I don't know, it was, it was almost 20 years ago. I was a graduate teaching associate at San Francisco State, and I was, you know, a budding young feminist, and I, I, was teach, I was teaching sexual identities and communication, and I asked the question, what do you want to know about sex? And pretty much every single questionnaire came back saying some version of what's wrong with me. Why can't I climax? I'm doing it wrong. You know, I can't, I can't do it unless I'm in love. What's wrong? And I realized that everyone who answered this questionnaire, um, there was this underlying shame and this underlying perception that anytime when we tapped into sex, that something was wrong with us. And I had nothing to offer these students. I had nothing. You know, I just had a big bunch of white paper theories. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to go out and see. And I was a Zen practitioner at the time also. And so I knew that Zen was a practice that changed my life in other ways. And I didn't know of anything that existed in the sexual arena that, that offered something similar. So I went searching for it. And, you know, lo and behold, I found something. And then, you know, Jacques Cousteau has this quote about, you know, once you discover something life-changing, there's no way you can keep it a secret. And, and so, you know, I've been practicing for 15 years or something. And, then, and I just, I look at so many people, especially, well, actually, so many women who consider themselves non-orgasmic and so many men who don't have the, who, who just do not have the instructions in terms of how to really work with a woman's body. And so I wanted both genders to have some idea of how to tap in here. You know, before I was thinking, okay, I want to, I want to get right in and say, so what is the art? But before we do that, I have something funny that I thought about was, you ever think about how you're never going to see a book called The Art of the Male Orgasm? Is that, uh, I mean, is that just because it's too easy or what? Well, I mean, I, I, uh, <laughs> that's really funny. Actually, I think you will. Um, you know, there's Mantak Chia's work. There's definitely a lot of information about there, out there about the male orgasm. But I think it's also, we are so accustomed to the male orgasm, right? Build, 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 tense a little bit, explode and take a nap. I mean, that's sort of like, <laughs> Model, the like high peak crescendo. And then yeah, I how'd just, you know? <laughs> <laughs> much, much research. I, yeah. And then I just think we don't we don't have as much information kind of about the other like about the other side of sex. It's like we're we're in the eighties when aerobics are really big and we right. haven't quite opened up yoga. Okay. 
Okay. I like that. I can I can understand that. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't a sexist thing, you know? <laughs> no, it's it's you know, I I don't know that there's a bigger man proponent than me because I I'm actually of the belief that you know, um that that we need men. And yeah. we need smart men who can be around women whose sexuality is open. And so any man who comes into this arena and, and wants to know, I'm so happy to give him the information. All right. Well, that's what we are here for. So now I, I want to ask you, and it's going to be a, a broad question, so just let me know what you think, and then we'll kind of drill down from there. Can okay. you tell us, uh, can you tell me and all the men out there, the art and craft of the female orgasm? How do we, how do we you know, help them achieve it and uh, the, the best way possible? Okay, good. So um, I, I'm going to start with something really simple but not easy, Okay. I would start with the idea of taking off the goal. Do you know what I mean? I, I think I do. Yeah. So we have this goal toward climax. And, and the goal toward climax has it be that we're like running, 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 not noticing anything that's happening. And then we have the explosion and then we're out of it. And that's just not the way a woman's body works. It's um, Our bodies are much slower. We like to sink in more. We like to actually feel what's happening in the moment. And so, you know, and it's also a great relief when guys discover like, oh, I don't have to bring her to climax, first of all, immediately. But secondly, um, really in a session, it can actually be that a woman has tremendous pleasure just having attention on her, having a, a light, pleasurable stroke. Um, and, and she doesn't necessarily have to climax. We as women, we are not as, um, how shall I put it? Um, uh, uh driven. Yes. Driven toward <laughs> climax. You know, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't understand that. As a man, I just, I don't get it. <laughs> I'll bet you do, though. I'll bet you that there's some kind of practice. There's something that you do that you do solely for the pleasure of it. Like, you know, maybe playing an instrument yeah. where you aren't like playing the instrument to hurry up and get to the last note of the song. Okay. You actually might enjoy playing the instrument. Yeah, I, no. I was just going to bring that up. I was going to say, oh, you actually just took my thunder. I watched this video on YouTube the other day <laughs> where... It was talking about life and how you don't, you know, music composition doesn't focus on the last note. Where, are you serious? Yeah, where the musicians are rushing to get to that last note. And it's like, boom, ha, hurrah. And it's yeah. more, you know, everything in between. And they were relating it back to life saying that, you know, if you get into your 30s, 40s, 50s, and you're trying to chase that idea of success. And when you finally think that you get to it and you look back and you realize that there was nothing in between and mm. that really isn't like the success. So... I, I was drawing the parallels between that and then how it can relate to sex as well. So that's that's pretty cool. Exactly. And, you know, it, it, we call it the it's it's like the leaning forward syndrome where you're like leaning forward. So so leaning forward toward that climax that you don't notice anything now. And then all of a sudden your whole sex act is gone. It's like, wait a minute, I did all that. And it's actually kind of hard work. You get sweaty, there's rubbing, there's all kinds of stuff, right? So I did all of that hard work for three seconds rather than, you know, sinking in and enjoying every single moment. Okay. Yeah, that's go, fantastic go ahead, John. advice. No, I was just gonna say, Are you fantastic. skeptical? <laughs> I am not. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I, I mean, I don't know if you've read the book Flow, but there's, there, there's this idea of pleasure and an, an idea of enjoyment. So pleasure is something 
um, that we experience that returns us back to our homeostatic state, meaning um, I'm stressed out, I have a lot of tension, or even I have a lot of turn on, I do something and I get returned back to comfort or returned back to normal. I don't necessarily become a better person, a more complex person, a smarter person for the experience, but I, but I, I don't feel as much tension. So that's pleasure. There's another experience of enjoyment and enjoyment is where you do something that makes you more complex, like, um, you know, really being absorbed into a chess game or uh, mountain climbing, something where all of your attention is needed in order to um, in order to execute that thing, right? And and when you do that, you get out of your head in this really pleasurable way. In fact, he 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 believes that um, happiness is based on not being self conscious of being so absorbed in something, um, like an Olympic skier, even right being so absorbed in something that you aren't thinking about yourself. Because it seems that when we think about ourselves, we think pretty yuck things, right? And that's the idea. Is it, So sex, as we've known, it has really been pleasure-based. It's been like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling kind of turned on to you, but it's uncomfortable. I have to hurry up and get this feeling out of my body. Or, you know, I had a hard day at work. I, I want to feel better and I need some release. That's how we've known it is return to comfort. But I think there's a way that we can experience it that actually has us be deeper and richer. So rather than having these diminishing returns, you know how most people say like, yeah, our sex life was great when we first got together. And now we sleep on opposite sides of the bed. <laughs> and we take that as a norm. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's how most people. But you, it can actually be if you're taking your sex life on as an actual practice. It can be that it gets exponentially better with time. It gets more and more complex. You actually build deliberately build an intimacy together. I'm, I'm glad because I got to say when it comes to that, I'm just slightly skeptical just because of the whole, you know, after a while, same person, same thing. Maybe, and I'm talking like I have no idea what it's like after 20 years of marriage, but I, right. to me, that would seem difficult. I don't know. Well, imagine going back to playing an instrument. And, um, and you know, it, I think playing an instrument, if you take it on as a practice, actually gets more pleasurable with time. And it's, it's a similar concept when you take it on as a practice. And, you know, there's all of these different elements to taking to taking this on as a practice. But when you take it on as a practice, it actually gets like far, far more interesting, you know, the deeper you get than, than at the very beginning. You know, relating back to an instrument is a, a great way to put it because, you know, you're, you're going to sit there and you're going to try to get better at your craft. You're going right. to, you, you know, try to, to master that instrument. So I can I understand exactly what you're talking about. And then, you know, I kind of understand what, what Chris is talking about too as well because, you know, just as, as males, we kind of have that sex driven i guess motivation especially at this age where we're in our late 20s and that's you know one of the things that that we're always thinking about right, right. so when you mentioned taking the goal away and wanting to just move forward what would be you know what would be the next step for us like taking that goal away and i mean then is it more focusing on on the female there and making sure that she's enjoying what would be your next piece of advice after taking the goal away? Well, that's, that's good question and interesting. And, um, Hmm. So I, I think it's, I I got stuck somewhere. So I'm going to, I'm going to come back and say, um, I think that as guys, you're, um, sex driven, 
but I think um, you, this would be my guess um, that, you know, my experience from, you know, I do a lot of coaching. I've had like 4,500 people go through this program. So my experience again and again and again is that often guys, especially younger guys, interestingly, are there, there's this experience of chasing sex in a way that you never get fully satisfied. And that there, there is something about the experience of learning how to turn a woman on in a way that you can, you can palpably feel her desire for you that profoundly changes the experience itself. Where then it's not just like you getting physical release, but you feeling another person's desire for you. And I think that, you know, when, you know, I'll, I'll just speak in sort of like guy talk, you know, when you're looking for the incentive or the payoff, having a woman genuinely desire you rather than, um, and I'm going to be kind of hardcore here, but have sex with you out of a feeling of obligation, meaning that that would mean she was a good girlfriend or a good wife if she has sex, but she's not really fully enjoying it. Those two different arenas where she's desiring you or doing it to be a good person are totally different worlds. The sex that you have with a woman who genuinely desires the sex because it actually feels good in her body is totally different. This is something that's that's not foreign to me now that you bring it up where, you know, we do we we chase that we chase that motivation of sex and then when we get to it, it's kinda like, okay, you know, now what? And if it's right. not if it's not, you know, that that desire driven thing where we have that female sitting there desiring to be with us, then yeah, it kinda leaves like that taste of boredom. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And I think that if we you know, gave you 10,000 women, you know, and, and you could just have sex, you know, and they were whatever, I don't know what particular magazine you like, but um, I don't know, but they were that caliber of woman, right? And you could have all of them. I think that even if you went through all of them, you wouldn't necessarily gratify that feeling because what ha the place that where it's gratified is in something deeper. And it has to do with her natural desire for you. So what what taking on this kind of sex as a practice does is it it allow it opens her general field of desire. And lo and behold, if <laughs> you know, it's almost I don't know if I should say this, but it's like imprinting for a duck, like you're the face that she sees as her desire is actually opening and you can hit a whole new level of intimacy with a woman when, when you begin to relate with sexuality in this way. I, I want to ask you real quick then about desire and, and your experience in coaching. Um, Cause it's, it seems that, you know, guys on, on the whole are probably more apt to, to speak their desires. Do you find that women um, are starting to vocalize these desires or is that something that you teach to, to tell them to vocalize their desires? Because I mean, we're, you know, we're kind of dumb and we don't really pick up on a lot of things unless it's told to us directly. Right. Well, um, I just lovingly want to say, I don't think you're dumb. I just think you haven't had uh, women who knew how to give you smart instructions. You know, it's like, my God, you know, oh my God, the, the lengths that I have watched men go through in terms of trying to figure out this little, little, tiny, tiny, tiny spot on, on a woman's body. You know, it's, it's, um, it's often heartbreaking to me. So <laughs> I, you know, it's like, oh my God, thank you for sticking in there. And, and I, I, I will say that that's, that is the number one piece that I start with women is it's, well, first of all, it's for women to have, like, women are just amazed that, like, 
oh my God, you mean he would actually want to put attention on me? I mean, I think that's the number one thing that I get through with women, like that a man would actually desire to put his attention on her. And then I think number two is beginning to speak that desire. As women, so much of our worth comes from our ability to curb our appetite, to be, you know, like chaste, C-H-A-S-T-E, you know, the good wife kind of, quality, you know, and to not eat too much so that we're tiny physically and to not need too much or be too emotional. As women, for the most part, we just feel like we're too much. So when a woman actually gets to express her desire to a man, I mean, it's funny. It's like we have these these guys come to the classes and they're like, I just want as much sex as I can get. <laughs> and then you actually get them around these women who are genuinely turned on and basically, you know, like, okay. And they're like, oh no, I don't know what to do here. You know, and so then there's this whole other element of, of training men what to do in the face of a woman who has genuine desire open. Actually, I think that's, that's probably true. I, and I, I feel like I could see that happening in, in your classes. I wanted to ask you about, I, I know you kind of base your book around what you call orgasmic meditation. And I was hoping you could explain that a little bit. So, um, again, this is with that idea that um, that really the only gratifying um, type of sex is um, when there's this additional element, you know, like the, the element of concentration that you find in yoga or meditation when it's not solely physical like aerobics, right? And so the, the practice itself is very, very, very simple. And um, do you want me to tell you? Yeah, please do. Okay. So um, the, the woman, and in this case, I'll just use a man and a woman um, for, in the description for purposes of simplicity. But So she would lie down. He would sit next to her. He would put one leg under her knees, one leg over her belly. And then he would take his thumb and he would put it at the base of her introitus. Now, the introitus is if you were to have intercourse, the point where you would enter. Okay, because I had no idea what that was. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. I know. See, there you go. We have have an an important piece. That is called the introitus. All right. I I had a couple other names for it, but hey. (laughs) I'll bet you did. (laughs) So then the next thing he would do would be to take um, his finger and, and put some lube on his finger and slide it up through the inner labia. Now the, the inner labia are the two small lips and he would slide it up onto her clitoris and in the upper left hand quadrant, her upper left. So if her, if her, if her clitoris were a clock, it would be the one o'clock position. Right. Okay. Okay. And he strokes there. No, no more firmly than you would um, stroke a raspberry if you didn't want juice to come out, right? If you okay. didn't want to. So he would stroke there like a metronome, up, down, up, down, up, down. He would focus on the point, you know, he would focus on his finger. She would focus on her, his finger. And that is the practice. And you do that for 15 minutes and you do it for 15 minutes a day. And if you do it for, I don't know. 10 days, really, I suggest it for 90. But if you do it for 10 days, I can guarantee you, you know, my experience again and again and again and again is unbelievable opening in a woman's body. Why do you think that is? You know, I kind of have this rule that I don't talk about things I don't know about. I don't know sort of the miraculous way that it works, but I don't know why it is that when you focus on your breath in breathing meditation, Mm -hmm. That all of a sudden, you know, you have these really, really deep experiences of concentration, right? Yeah. 
I don't know, like the breath, it's just so simple. Who would have thought of it? And I think the same thing is true with this tiny little stroke. It just happens to be exactly what opens a woman's body. Okay, well, I guess we just won't ask questions. We'll just oblige. Well, and and actually, I that's I'd like it that way. I'd prefer it in terms of uh, like try it and see for yourself. It, you know, it's like I don't want anyone to ever take my word for anything. I'd much rather you try it and see because my experience is that time and again, you know, like this wonderful reporter for the New York Post, Justin Rocket tried it and he came back and you know he was holding his finger up it like it was you know it had been electrocuted he was like what just happened how could that little thing have such a profound effect you know and all of us were in the room like we don't know we just know it works (laughs) yeah don't ask questions Yeah, I mean, you can ask questions, and if I can't answer them, I will. If I can't, you know, some things are outside of, you know, my very logical scientific knowing. Right. So why is it, do you think, that some women can achieve orgasm easier than others? Do you think it's a physical thing or a mental thing, or what do you think? Well, here I'm going to, again, I'm going to do some um, education. So I think every woman is orgasmic. I don't think every woman is climactic. Okay, so there's a difference between climax and orgasm. Climax is that build, 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 squeeze, explode. And orgasm is everything around it and sometimes including that. So does hmm. that make sense? Kind of. <laughs> okay. Chris is taking very detailed notes right now. Oh, come on. Throw <laughs> me under the bus. <laughs> so what, what can happen, like, for example, if a woman does this practice for a long enough period of time, what you'll begin to see in her genitals the minute a finger goes down would be the the exact contractions at her introitus. You, you would see the same flushing in her cheeks, the same ejaculate, you know, pouring from her. You would see all the same symptoms of climax, but you wouldn't have that major explosive experience. And I think it's just some women's bodies aren't built for it. I think it's definitely, um, it, it, it's, it works well in the male body. I don't know that it's necessarily exactly what a woman's body is looking for. Our orgasm doesn't tend to be as centralized, meaning, you know, a man's orgasm tends to be very centralized in his penis, right? right. For a woman, it goes all the way to the very tips of her fingers, all the way to the tips of her hair, you know, like it's just all the way out there. <laughs> and so I think it's much more spread out throughout her body. I had another question too, going back to the the coaching. Everybody does kind of walking on pins and needles whenever they're talking about sex. And it's kind of been like that, you know, through our society for for a while where we've kind of been taught to be embarrassed or ashamed of sexuality. Um, Where do you think we are as, as, you know, people now, especially in the United States with having that kind of being pushed away where we're, you know, we're starting to not be as embarrassed or ashamed, but teenagers and and their parents, they're still taught. um, I don't want to say for the most part, but you know, most people are still embarrassed to talk about it with their parents or embarrassed to talk about it with their peers. Mm, Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, my experience is just even, you know, we've had the center for seven years and, and just in the past seven years, I mean, the changes, it's like exponential how quickly, um, the changes are occurring in this arena. I mean, I have a story of, um, 
we had opened the center and my business partner has this journal entry that said, you know, two people contacted the business today. Um, one was the postman and the other was a wrong number. And, you know, that was like sort of what happened. And all of a sudden now we're on CNN, it's New York times. It's like, whoa, it's exploding. And I, I think it's because our culture is ready to hear it. And I think, you know, Thomas L. Friedman has this great article called the great disruption about basically the fact that our culture is, I'd say going into climax, everything is kind of falling apart. All of the rules that we've known sort of like, you know, if you stay at a job for your whole life, then you'll get your IRA, you know, and, and it'll be safe and good. And we're discovering that those things aren't working. And in discovering that those things aren't working, I think we're coming back to basics. You know, I think we have, um, we've been taught a life of deferred pleasure. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, I deferred it and I'm not getting the rewards for deferring it. I'm actually going to have it now. And so I think you're beginning to see that in terms of food, in terms of actually taking care of our bodies, in terms of our sexuality. And I think it's becoming, you know, it's just beginning to open up as an easeful thing to talk about. Now, the challenge that we face is we don't know how to talk about it. That makes absolute sense, not knowing yeah. how. Yeah, yeah. But I think once you get people started, my experience is, you know, I just went to a dinner party and, you know, I, you know, I usually take the, the emotional collateral and I put my, my foot out. But now, you know, it's like I, I started it, but it just caught on with great ease. So I, I, I don't know. I'm just noticing in, in, in my life there, there it's much easier and definitely in the media. No, I, I can agree because even going into the interview, you know, a little nervous. Oh, how do we talk about it? Blah, blah blah. But then once you get on the subject, it's it's just like anything else, just a little more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say, I wanted to ask you. I know we're approaching the end of the time, but two questions that are kind of similar might be a little different. But what do you think all women wish men knew about sex? And then what do you think, or or what do you wish everyone knew? about sex that you have learned from your research? I think um, my experience is that I think every woman would want men to know um, what a hurdle it is for her to admit her desire and for her to actually begin to admit how deeply she desires sex. And I think the other piece every woman would want a man to know is that, you know, we desire sex as much, if not more than you. It's just that the cost of admitting that is great. Now I'm a little confused because what, what is the cost? Because to me, I mean, if, if a woman were to admit that, it'd be like, awesome. All right. Like there's not <laughs> Well, I mean, you know? let's be honest. You guys are smart guys, right? So right. it's going to be a little bit different, but I'll tell you like, they're like, you know what, you guys, I was called a slut uh, and you get it. And all I of a get sudden, it. you like, I'm out there in the world as a woman who's willing to talk about sex. I cannot tell you the things that people assume about me just because I'm willing to talk about this subject. So uh, a woman actually admitting it is is putting herself in a very dangerous position. She doesn't know if it's actually going to have the guy be like, oh, thank God, I've really wanted to connect with you, or if it's going to have him say like, well, she's not quite marriage material. Right. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. What about further down the line? You know, once you're, you are in a committed relationship and everything like that, getting them to open up at that point. Right. Well, I, I think, you know, if you think about it like – Imagine that you've been squeezing your hand for a really long time, really tight. And then all of a sudden you say you want to open it. 
you know how you would have to open it more slowly because it would kind of be cramped and your fingers would be freaky. That's how a woman's sexuality is. You know, we keep it tamped down very, very tightly. So the slow, the, the opening has to be slow and warm with a tremendous amount of attention. And really with you as a guy saying like, I love seeing you like this. I really appreciate, you know, you spending this time with us. This has been, you know, one of the most fun, enjoyable, laid back interviews that we've done too. And it was, it was on a subject that, you know, Chris and I were kind of not really worried about, but just didn't know how we were going to approach it and how it was going to go. So I really appreciate you coming on here and, you know, sharing with our listeners. And I wanted to give you the opportunity to, to throw out any plugs that you might have for your coaching classes and, and your book or any, anywhere else you want to point them to, your personal website, wherever it may be. Great. Well, I have a book coming out on May 25th. Woo! So everything is kind of building toward that slow sex, the art and craft of the female orgasm. And then, um, sure, we have coaching and courses. We have a whole online education if you feel uncomfortable about doing something in person or if you're not in San Francisco or New York. And you can find out anything you're interested in in that domain on onetaste.us. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. You guys are great to talk to. And thank you for having this subject addressed on your show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm sure our listeners will appreciate it too. It's one that everybody has an interest in, I can assure you. Great. Thanks, you <laughs> All guys. Right, Nicole, thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Nicole. Hope you learned something. And I hope you saw that, you know, even as embarrassing as a topic as it was, Chris and I really got comfortable with her. And I think that speaks, you know, volumes about her and her, her coaching ability to have people open up about sex. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, going into it, I didn't know how well the conversation was going to flow. And it was awesome. I think it was one of our best interviews yet. So the good news is if you guys thought the same thing out there in podcast land, and you would like to learn more about slow sex and the art of the female orgasm, All you have to do is enter our contest that we do because we have some free copies of the book. We are going to send out to a few lucky listeners. So, John, why don't you tell our listeners how they earn the chance to win a free book from Nicole? So if you guys are new to the podcast or you've forgotten how we run this book contest, all you have to do is send us a message on Facebook. Make sure you either post on our wall or post on your status and include the at smart people podcast within your status so that we can see it. And then on Twitter, just make sure that you're posting a, uh, a tweet with our Twitter name in it, which is at Smart People Pod. And, you know, say good things about the show. Go ahead and, and forward us to your friends. Just make us, you know, see that you're, you're out there promoting us. And we'll go ahead and we'll pick a few winners at random and then send the books on out to your house. Yeah, and while we're on the subject, guys, if, you know, if you can help us out and leave us a comment or a rating on iTunes, Subscribe to us on Twitter, which is at Smart People Pod. Like us on Facebook, all those good things. We're just trying to expand, you know, expand our listener base and really open up the community so that we can get everybody involved. Don't forget about using Amazon for your purchases, which we really, really appreciate. It helps out the podcast a lot. John, why don't you tell them about next week's guest? Next week, we've got Andrew Breitbart, who wrote the book Righteous Indignation Excuse Me While I Save the World. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He helped create the Huffington Post. 
He's got plethora of websites out there, and he was also he was also one of the first people to work on the Drudge Report, right? Yeah, yeah, he was on. He he helped as a researcher for Drudge Report, and you know he's got he's got his political stance. But hey, everybody does. We were happy to have him on the show. He was a pretty good interview, and uh, I think everybody will enjoy it. Yeah, and I know. Him and I butted heads a little bit, so things get a little heated. So make sure to tune in and, and hear what goes on next week. Come on. Let's talk about sex, baby.